On this episode of Trading Camp, we catch up with Rocky B Trades. He talks about some of the largest setbacks he has faced during his trading career, why you are never too big to fail, and how selling options has given him an edge in 2023. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Scooter, the next generation of trading tools that will replace everything you know about trading. Built by engineers for the retail trader, Rocket Scooter's revolutionary algorithm is the first of its kind. It uncovers institutional positions and reveals market maker risk and hedging in real time using their AI scanner and algorithmic charting. Rocket Scooter has invented 15 unique indicators that predict high volume before it happens, allowing you to visualize price levels where big money is most interested. There is nothing like it. To see how Rocket Scooter is changing the game for retail traders, check out their three-month pro trial. Right now, they are offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and get started using Rocket Scooter today. Trading Camp has partnered with Elite Trader Funding, a proprietary trading firm focused on giving traders the opportunity to profit from the markets without risking their own capital. ETF offers a range of evaluations which test your abilities as a trader. When you pass, you'll be able to choose from funded accounts ranging from $10,000 to $300,000. The only risk is a monthly flat fee. The ETF community provides an excellent learning environment and networking opportunities for those serious about taking their game to the next level. We are excited to offer our listeners 30% off of any trading evaluation on ETF's site except for Fast Track. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name. When last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel and dealing, limousine ride, jet flying. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to TCP Trading Camp Pod, episode 85. About to get started this evening with Rocky B Trades. Just me on this episode, no Noah, sadly. This is the first time ever that I haven't been without my co-host. And it feels weird, but I'll try to carry the boats to the best of my ability. He is, of course, on vacation. but. Without further ado, it's time to bring the man of the hour onto the show, Rocky B Trades. Welcome back, brother. Yo, what's going on, Alejandro? Uh, it's good to hear from you and catch up and hope everything's going well. Obviously, you're missing Doe today, one of the uh, main co-hosts, but hoping he's having a good time on his vacation. It's very well-deserved. Yeah, definitely well-deserved. I'm sure the Noah's is enjoying his time. Uh, he's in Turks and Caicos, I think, so that's, that's pretty cool. He's on island time. Well, we're here in... Uh, you know, the city still trading, still doing our thing. All right. So excited to catch up with you, bro. Every time we have you on the podcast, you obviously provide a ton of valuable information. You're one of FinTwit's, you know, most favorite traders for good reason. Just a super down to earth guy. I consider you to be a good friend and one of the, you know, few people in this space that uh, I think is just genuinely here for really, really good reasons. And you know, we're, we're in a similar boat, uh, you and I. We're around the same age. We 
kind of hit things off uh, well the first time that we spoke, the first time we ever had you on the podcast, because, uh, you know, you voiced through us your sort of ambition and hunger and how you come from small beginnings. And it's inspirational, um, not only to me, but obviously to a lot of other traders that listen to the podcast and on Fintwit. And that's why you've been able to garner such a strong following. But we do have that, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we're, we're both coming from similar backgrounds and we're using the market um, to, you know, better our lives. And we also have uh, strong passions for the market. And so I just wanted to start off by saying that I do have a ton of respect for you as a person, as a trader, and I hope everything has been going well. So if you don't mind, just update us on what's been going on with Rocky as of late. Appreciate that, Alejandro. I mean, that means a lot, man. Honestly, uh, I just try to be myself, try to be the best version of myself, the best trader I can be. And, you know, this market definitely has been the most challenging. This has definitely been my hardest year of my career. I think a lot of people can agree with that. Um, there's just been so many changing market conditions. I mean, you might even have to adjust your strategies or adjust what you do trade now. Um, but the biggest thing for me this year is I've really been trying to pride myself on doing other things. I try to classify myself as a Swiss Army knife trader, meaning you got to have multiple, uh, you know, cards in your deck to, uh, you know, there, there just could be certain times to take trades on one thing or certain times versus another. And what I mean by that is that I've kind of been changing my strategies or how I execute trades the last four or five months. Uh, I've actually been focusing a ton on swing trading. Um, but over the past two or three months, it's been actually option selling, which I have actually fallen in love with. And I think a lot of people love it as well if you learn it because it's kind of similar to futures where your risk is capped or like you know what your risk is, um, not just like the premium or um, and, you know, it's kind of nice having like theta work for you and such. So it has been a stressful year. I did have a nice July, which was good. August, you know, it's been up and down, but um you know, just try my best to get better every day and not get complacent because if you want to make it, you got to you can't just stay comfortable doing one thing, you know, for a long, long, long time. I mean, I was a news trader first. It was my baby, my favorite thing to do. Um, but let's just be honest. News doesn't get followed through like that. You might get one trade like that a month if you're lucky. So um, just being able to adjust, you know, to the market that's always changing is the key. Yeah, I've always admired your ability to uh, branch out and try new things. I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today, funny enough, and they were talking about uh, prop trading firms and how prop trading firms uh, try to get a team of traders that are all trading, you know, at times similar strategies. You know, they, there's kind of a base for what they do, but a lot of them are trading, you know, different products, different strategies. You might have some guys trading futures. You might have some guys trading equities. You might have some guys trading uh, options. You might get, have some guys trading common stock, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason for that is because one thing doesn't always work at all times in the market. And I think we've learned that, especially over the past couple of years, where the market has gone uh, through a lot of changes. And some of the strategies and things that we were doing in 2021 quickly became horrible ways to trade during the year 2022. Things that were uh, you know, really good in 2022 quickly became things that were not so good in the year 2023. And so at prop trading firms, at least the good ones, they rather have guys who 
let's say they have a, a team of 20 traders, right? They want 20 guys who are trading in 20 different ways because that increases their ability to be profitable as an entire team. Because again, one thing may not work at all at all times. And the market is constantly shifting. It's constantly changing. We know this and it's our jobs as traders in order to change and shift with the market. So your ability to expand your arsenal, to look at other ways to trade, to always be open-minded, I think is something that a lot of traders can learn from. And I think it's something that a lot of traders can employ, but there is a very fine line there. And there's, uh, you know, a spot where it can become a little bit dangerous if you're not, you know, actually learning and you're simply, you know, it's pretty cliche strategy hopping. Right. And so for me, when I think about when it comes time to expand my arsenal, I have, you know, the basis of what I do and that's S and P futures trading. And then within that S and P futures trading, I'm looking for new setups, right? I'm looking for new strategies, new trade management systems and kind of tailoring it all to what makes the most sense for me and what is going to allow me to be profitable over various market conditions. So I want to ask you, how do you draw the line between, you know, you're, you're saying now you're getting an option selling, right? Um, and you were previously a news trader and you're previously swing trading. When do you or where do you draw the line between you know, I'm just strategy hopping right now and I'm actually, you know, adding to my base. And I think that this is going to help me to be even more profitable. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is with strategy hopping is I feel like everybody instantly just wants, everybody wants instant gratification. I mean, I think that's very true. A lot of people want to get rich quick. A lot of people want to hit the home runs, get the 100, 200, 300 percenters because that's what sells. Fintwood loves it. Uh, you know, it gets followers, gets clout. But Realistically, um, if you want to be a sustainable long-term trader, you want to do this as your career, you want to grow, you either want to work for a fund, you want to work for yourself, whatever it is that you end up doing. If you do want to be a top trader, eventually you need to learn different things and be versatile. Like you need to be able to diversify what you can do as a trader, your skill set. Now, I think it is important in the beginning as a trader to pick one thing, um, pick one product you want to trade. You know, you got to realize that every single product you're trading, whether it's shares, uh, you know, futures, options, obviously there's leverage involved with the options and futures, shares, you know, you, you're going to need more capital, maybe margin. So you got to always educate yourself. Um, but in terms of like, uh, you know, the new things that I've learned and been applying, um, obviously at first I'd always do a ton of research myself, asking a lot of questions. My dad's been my mentor, um, but a lot of it's trial and error in the beginning. Um, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And for each trade, a lot of these swing trades and these option selling trades that I do, um, they all have like a thesis behind them or a reason why I think the stock can move one way or another for me. It's not just, I just come in and, oh, I can sell options. So I'm just going to do it. Uh, at first it was just selling cover calls on like my long-term shares that I hold. Um, then eventually getting into um, like credit spreads, which I've been doing a lot more of and things like that. Um, so just, uh, you know, got to put in the time and you got to be able to see what works and what doesn't work. If it doesn't work, you don't like it, it doesn't fit your personality, you don't have to do it. Um, but if you already know that maybe your main strategy isn't working, for, like for me, news has been dead all this year. I've had one good news trade and that was a month ago on Apple, but, you know, that's been it. So um, you have to be able to adapt, especially if maybe what you're doing right now isn't just working in this current market. Yeah, I, 
I think it also has helped you that you've had that taste of success before moving to a new strategy or a different way of trading versus strategy hopping is more uh, along the lines of, as you mentioned, people searching for that instant gratification, unable to find it. And so they go to the next strategy, whereas you will trade a certain way and you have, you know, just this ever expanding toolbox. And once you see something isn't necessarily working, you know, you're still making money, right? But you're not maybe making money to the level that you'd like to be making it or things have just slowed down in your account. So you are able to carry, you know, the base of your trading, very important here, like the risk management skills that you've developed, uh, you know, the discipline that you've developed, all that is going to translate from one strategy to the next, no problem. Um, and so it's not so much about the the strategy or the product or the system itself. It's, you know, yeah, there's going to be a learning curve, but you've already established your base as a trader, whereas people who are strategy hopping have not. And they're looking for that golden strategy when really the golden strategy is mastering that trading psychology, is mastering the discipline, etc. I agree. You know, the things that you do outside of the market uh, really are going to impact how you perform when the market's open. And obviously, discipline is one of the most important things. So, you know, guys like myself and you, you know, or, you know, yeah, myself and you, you know, we're active and, you know, you're either running or working out. Um, but you do have to balance, you know, work, which is trading versus your own life and, you know, pick up some good habits from your outside activities, you know, um, being strict with maybe not strict, but being disciplined with how you eat and, and, you know, how you work out in the gym and whatnot. So that performance can carry on, that discipline can carry on to your own trading, uh, which is vital to be successful. Because let's be honest, I mean, uh, every single day, this whole summer feels like the market's gapped up or gapped down. Um, you know, and, and then what happens is we just get a sideways move sometimes or, you know, and, and then there's days where you're going to want to force it, but you know, you shouldn't, you know, you need to really, it, I just think it's critical for all traders to um, develop that basis first, maybe pick one strategy, try to become the absolute best at it first before uh, strategy hopping or learning something new, expanding your toolbox. And with that also, you know, make sure you're doing something outside the market to take your mind off things, you know, because you're not going to be green every day. Uh, and whoever tells you you are, they're lying to you um, because the market's not hard. And or I'm sorry, it's not easy. You know, this game isn't designed for everybody to make money. At the end of the day, unfortunately, it's a zero sum game. So someone out there is losing. And if you want to prevent yourself from losing, you got to do uh, what it takes to win. So, yeah, a really good way that I like to think about it is. The famous uh, stat is that 95% of traders are unprofitable. It's probably a little bit higher than that, quite honestly. So if you think about it, 95% of people being unprofitable means you have to be doing something different from 95% plus of people in order to be successful. And it's so easy to uh, you know, get into sort of uh, this mode of, thinking inside the box and not really taking a look at what works for you and your trading. And there are very, very simple and common habits that destroy traders' careers and result in them being unprofitable. And that's the simple things like FOMO and greed and being undisciplined and over trading and all these things. And so 
if 95% of people are doing those things, what makes you think that you can still partake in that and be successful? There's really, there's really no room for it. And I agree completely with what you said about, you know, having stuff that you do outside of your trading. I think for me, that's a major edge in my trading is the discipline I've been able to create in my life outside of the actual trading itself, whether it's, you know, with my running, uh, working out, my diet, it all just kind of builds this mentality that allows me to be in the right state of mind when it comes time to trade. And, you know, it's funny, if, if somebody were to ask me like for tips early on, as a trader, that's probably the first thing I would tell them is like, you have to create the ultimate discipline in your life in order to, you know, reach that point that you really want to reach. And again, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, how you and I are very similar. I think that that's another uh, spot where you and I have kind of figured that out. It's like the secret that's not really a secret at all. It's like if you can develop discipline in your life, everything just kind of starts to click. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you, you know, building that discipline is a huge foundation, you know, it's going to be a staple in your own trading, because everybody just sees the big money from trading and, all, you know, all the things that it can do for you, the freedom, if you're good enough and, and the, the vacations and the houses. But honestly, if you're, if you don't even have the discipline, um, it's going to be very hard to obtain a lot of those things, because you need to know when to be like, okay, I'm gonna take a trade today. I'm a sniper, my edge is met, my criteria is met, I will take this trade. Or you need to know when, okay, I'm gonna take a step back today. You know, I'm really not feeling it today. The market's low volume, maybe personally I'm not feeling as good. Maybe I didn't sleep enough and things like that. And one thing I think my dad told me is like, you know, as a trader, you don't really need to make money every single day. I mean, that's kind of true because yeah, obviously we'd like to make money every single day, um, but sometimes um, doing too much can can harm you. So you kind of got to find that fine tune, that fine balance in between where it's like, okay, I'm making money, but now, okay, I need to be disciplined and know when to say no, um, because knowing when to say no, you know, could be what prevents a big loss, um, you know, because maybe you didn't have an edge or the, the market wasn't moving the way you desired it to. I love that, that you don't have to make money every day. And that is a nice goal to have, but if you can set your your personal standards to, you know, I'm going to try to make money or I'd like to make money whenever my edge is met, as you mentioned, that's a much more realistic goal versus coming into the market every day and trying to make money. And another thing that you mentioned was you might wake up some days and you're like, hey, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. And that's something that I've started to get good at and has helped me a ton in order to trade successfully. Because when I think about trading, it's like, you know, I'm trying to compound gains slowly over, you know, a period of time. Let's say you want to make $50,000 in a year, right? That's $200 a day over 250 trading days. That $200 day is not going to feel like cool. Um, you know, you, you're going to, I guess, have met your daily goal. But when you look at it as like this super long marathon that you have to run in order to reach that $50,000 goal of these small increments of $200 a day. It's super intimidating. And if you are not in the mindset of being okay with that and being along for the long ride and playing the long game, then you can get yourself in trouble. And there are times where I feel myself starting to come out of that 
mindset of where I'm like, you know, I, I, I would like to, you know, m start making more money or like I'd like to size up or, you know, all these things that every trader goes through. If you can catch yourself versus actually executing on those thoughts and you could take a step back and remember your long term goals and remember that your goal is to, you know, create slow, consistent growth, you're going to end up saving yourself a lot of money. Unfortunately, 95% of people can't do it. 95% of people fall into those traps of greed. 95% of people, you know, say, I just had a really good month. Let me double my size this month. And then they get smoked. 95% of people are making those common mistakes and staying on that path is not easy, but extremely necessary um, in the long run. Rocky, I want to ask you a question now. So obviously, you know, you're well into your trading career at this point, but I'm curious to hear about any setbacks that you had early on, any memorable trades or moments in your career that you felt have shaped you into the trader that you currently are? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Every single trader has had tons of setbacks in their career, the, the successful ones, the, not everybody. Uh, your favorite person on FinTwit, myself, Alejandro, we all have because Again, trading is a zero-sum game. You're dealing with risk every single day. It's not going to come easy. If it was easy, guys, it was easy to make money. Everybody would would trade from home and and you know be a full-time trader and travel and just make a bunch of money. I wish it worked like that, but really, it doesn't work like that. So, I've had plenty of setbacks in my career. Um, you know, I remember when I first started in the early days in like 2020. Um, you know, I really didn't have much money to my name at all. And I remember I was literally down to my last like $583 as a college senior. And then maybe I had another $1,500 in my bank account just as a college kid. So I would just work summers, you know, my internships got canceled. So like I've had those setbacks and honestly that those setbacks are those times where you struggle because um, that's kind of really builds that character, you know, being able to dig yourself out of those holes and mentally stay okay. Despite a bad time, you know, I do remember, um, uh, Another big setback I've had in the past uh, was June 30th of 2022. I think I lost 5K that day. Um, absolutely brutal day. Back then, I used to trade in front of a live Discord every day in front of a thousand people. And I remember it was my introduction to SPX. I remember the first two or three weeks into it, I was killing it, uh, loving it, doing well. Um, I actually think I was on the Train Camp podcast like two weeks prior to that. Like, I remember I was feeling myself and uh, I got humbled uh, one day because I think. The night before I slept like six hours and then I worked out in the morning and then I just was exhausted and talking to everybody on live. And it's, there's no excuses. I, I wasn't planned enough. I didn't execute well. Um, I actually broke my rules and that lesson right there taught me to never trade SPX again. So now I don't trade SPX again. I actually only buy time on my options, plenty of it. And, um, you know, just things like that, you know, and the thing is, is one thing I've noticed is that you know, you can take a loss or you can make it a lesson. You know, if you take a loss, but you don't learn anything from it, then yes, it is a loss. But if you take that loss, you learn something from it. You learn what to do next time. Um, constructive criticism and things to build on. I think that's, you know, really how you become successful because success isn't just linear. Like there are going to be a lot of highs. There's going to be a ton of lows and hills and valleys you got to climb over. But um, you got to learn from your mistakes. And, and know, you know, to not do those ever again. So 
I would say every single loss I've had, you know, I hold it on myself and I try to become a better version of myself from it. Hey, Noah, what do moving averages, RSI and MACD all have in common? They're all lagging indicators from the 70s with weak ability to predict future price action. Exactly. Modern retail traders need modern trading tools. That's why we've partnered with Rocket Scooter, an artificial intelligence and algorithmic charting tool that predicts where high volume will occur before it happens. That's right. Rocket Scooter's 15 unique indicators help visualize in real time where institutional players are interested on almost any stock and gives you a clear-cut game plan for how to take advantage of the underlying mechanics of the market. A platform like that probably costs a ton of money. Right now, they're offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and getting started using Rocket Scooter today. Yeah, that alone is a big step in a trader's career is when you can really start to look at those losses as lessons and you become more and more serious about improving on it and doing your note taking whatever you got to do in order to not repeat some of those mistakes that you had made in your past. Whereas, you know, I felt like when I was early -er in my trading career, I would take, you know, losses and it was like, all right, you know, back on the horse the next day without really reviewing exactly what I did without, you know, doing my best and due diligence in order to really ensure that I wasn't going to be repeating uh, those mistakes. And then once you can get to that point where you acknowledge that this is all part of the process, as shitty as it may feel, I mean, we've all gone through those losses where, you know, the market closes at four o'clock and you can't believe what just happened or, you know, you're sitting in a position overnight that's way too heavy and the futures gap down, and you know, you're going to get smoked. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunately all part of the process. There's no other way to put it. And something that I think is important for people to understand as well is that there are a lot of people who have those moments who don't have that success story on the other side of it, right? It's, you know, everybody that we have on the podcast is a good trader who's gone through those, uh, you know, peaks and valleys who has come out on the other side. But let's be honest, there are a lot of people who don't. And you have to be very, very careful with how you manage those situations. I don't want people to, you know, lose $20,000 and then say, oh, you know, this is like the lesson I needed to learn to become like, let's try to avoid those situations where you're putting yourself in financial distress because you know i can say firsthand that i've been in those moments where i've lost too much money uh you guys know the story of when i was on vacation and i lost seven thousand in one day like that was emotionally distressful and i would not want anybody to go through that and you know luckily you know i'm still here and i'm still trading today but you can easily avoid those situations easily with proper risk management and that discipline just to not get wiped out on any given day on any given trade you can learn those lessons of okay this is how i should trade and how i shouldn't trade without that because unfortunately what trading does is it really you know can mess people up when they don't have the mental fortitude i'll say to get out of that right like that like and 
you know, my $7,000 loss, somebody's going to be listening to the podcast or your $5,000 loss. And they're going to be like, well, I lost a hundred thousand dollars. And I know those people are out there and it's, it's really, really sad. Um, obviously, you know, if you, if you, you know, remain, uh, diligent, you can obviously, you know, continue to improve as a trader, but definitely not necessary to go through that stage. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to risk management at the end of the day. You know, we did talk about earlier, this is a zero sum game, meaning there is a lot of risk involved. You can make a ton of money, but you can lose it faster. You can blink if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't manage your risk. Managing risk will always be number one. It does not matter how smart you are, what strategies you possess, uh, your ability to read the market. If you can't manage your risk, you're going to get wiped out. Uh, you know, my dad has told me plenty of stories of guys making like 50 million, hundreds of millions, trained with big size and had killer years. Um, and, and, you know, eventually enough isn't enough and you get greedier and greedier and you want the next thing, the next trade, the next thing to make you a ton more money and you over leverage yourself and, you know, it blows up in your face. So, um, you know, I would highly recommend anybody pick a like amount that's like you're okay with losing on any given set day or yeah. You know, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's only $200 or $300. Maybe it's 500 or a thousand, whatever that is. And once you've hit that limit, you are done for the day. Um, I think I tweeted about it, but usually my red days are anywhere between 500 to like 1.2, 1.3K, anywhere in that range. Anytime I'm over that, I'm like, okay, like that's really bad. Like, you you know, something missed, something happened with my risk management. I didn't cut my loss quick enough, et cetera. And like, I've had those big losses in the past, um, but I don't want those, you know, it, it you know, it's okay now because I'm young, I can kind of take a little more risk right now um, because I don't have a family yet or any of that. But I do know in the future that, you know, um, you, you have to be mindful of, of when you're risking capital, especially uh, if it's capital that, you know, could buy you a house or, or pay the mortgage for a year or whatever. So. Um, trade with what you can afford to lose. Obviously, you're not going into a trade thinking you're going to lose it, but uh, it is a possibility um, on any set trade. So just be prepared for the worst if it does happen and have an exit plan when things don't go according to plan. Yeah. And what you just mentioned where you know you have your limits as to where you know, like the amount of money you lose, like obviously, as you become a better trader, you're older, you have more money, whatever, like that number is going to increase. But right now, you're setting the tone for the discipline that's necessary to stay around in this game for as long as possible because so much of it is just survival, right? So much of it is, you, you just mentioned, like your dad has told you stories about people who have made, you know, tons of money uh, trading, but who got wiped out because of stupid mistakes and. I mean, giant funds have have gone down uh, for these exact same reasons that risk management, once you get to this certain level of success, you really do put it on the back burner. You think that you are invincible. And in a weird way, the better of a trader you become, the harder it becomes to lose. When you start to lose less and you have to start and you start having less red days, when those red days come, you're like, shit, like, even if it's, you know, a small amount, you're not going to be happy. But, you know, that's okay, right? That's okay to not be happy. And, you know, to experience a red day, and to do something stupid is, is okay. But as you start to have more and more success, the problem can be, uh, you know, if 
you lose that money and you're just like in denial. You're like, there's no way. Like you forget how to handle a loss. You forget how to, you know, cut a loser. You are in such a groove and having such a good month or such a good year that you let your guard down just for that one trade and it could wipe out, you know, weeks, months worth of gains. Definitely. Yeah. So it's just so important to remember that you're not invincible. Like you're, you're really not invincible. No, you're not. I mean, the market can humble you at any point. You know, I, the moment you get cocky, that's when the market's going to show you something that you've never seen before, whether it's just um, something you're long on and, and a bad piece of news comes out or, uh, you know, you're short and then a huge gap up or something. But once you start to get overconfident, that is when the market really starts to, I feel like, come after you, I guess. You're like, want to take your money, essentially. But I mean, I'll just give you a firsthand example. I mean, I recently just had a good month of July. Uh, I think it was like my fourth or fifth, fifth best month ever. It's really good. Um, and, you know, I really just focused on just my trading. I was trying to take a step back from everything else in my life, like, um, you know, being as active on like social media. But anyways, I had a really good month. And then the end of the month or like early August, I went on a like vacation with my family, just to, like the beach. But it was like where I could still like trade and stuff if I wanted to, like in the mornings, like I didn't have to be off my phone. I was like, yeah, sure. You know what? I'll, I'll see if I can make some money like all while I'm on a vacation. And obviously I didn't have my setup. I was on my phone. I was being kind of lazy with my approach. I didn't do my pre-market analysis. Um, and I think I lost like four or 5k that week. Um, it, it sucked. And I was like, well, what am I doing? Like I could have just went to like the mall and just spent like 500 bucks and then kept my trading account up, you know, just stupid things like that, you know, forcing things when they're not there. Um, so yeah, guys, I mean, discipline, patience, um, ma risk management, they all go hand in hand. Um, you probably all have heard these concepts plenty of times, but it's for good reason because you need to be able to do these things if you want to be a successful trader and stay around in this game. Absolutely. So I, I Googled this really quickly. I had read about it in uh, in a book, uh, The Man Who Solved the Markets, which is the story of Jim Simmons uh, and the Renaissance Fund. And they talked about uh, long-term capital management. So when uh, the Medallion Fund was first uh, you know, really starting to garner some traction, one of their biggest competitors was long-term capital management. Um, and I'm reading here, they had $126 billion in assets. So extremely, extremely successful fund. The story goes, and I'm just going to read a tidbit from uh, this article here. On August 17th, 1998, Russia declared it was devaluing its currency. It also defaulted on its bonds. That event was beyond the normal range that LTCM, uh, long-term capital management, had estimated. By August 31st, the Dow Jones Industrial Average had dropped by 13%. Investors sought refuge in treasury bonds, causing uh, long-term interest rates to fall by more than a full point by September 30th, 1998. As a result, LTCM's highly leveraged investments started to crumble by the end of August 1998. It lost 50% of the value of its capital investments. Since so many banks and pension funds had invested in LTCM, its problems threatened to push them uh, to near bankruptcy. And they did, uh, completely collapse. And, uh, you know, once they lost 50% of, uh, their assets under management, 
basically nobody had any more faith in them. But the lesson to be learned here is, you know, it's corny, I guess, but you're never too big to fail. And this is obviously on a much, much larger scale. But imagine uh, the guys at this fund. They like talk about invincibility to have raised one hundred and twenty six billion dollars in assets like they must have felt literally untouchable. And one bad blowout caused them to collapse. So reading that now you now it should be a little bit easier to understand how in your own personal trading career, even when things are going well. You are not too big to fail. It is so easy. You don't know what's coming next. So that's just a lesson in not understanding and not putting risk management at the forefront. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's always good to look back at like history and just see, um, you know, obviously what not to do. But that just goes to show. I mean, these guys probably felt like on top of the world. Obviously, a lot of investors believed in them to give them that much capital to trade with. and you know, hopes of them growing that fund for a good return, which obviously they probably were for a while. But, um, you know, if you're over leveraged and something happens and you're not prepared uh, or you're not hedged or whatever, I mean, you can take a massive loss and to lose 50 percent of one hundred twenty six billion dollars. I mean, that's no slouch. That's a, a lot of money. And they'll definitely, they probably were never able to raise that back. And if they were to get it back, maybe through trading with the remaining capital, it would take them a long time to, you know, get that money back. If you lose 50% of your money, like if you have a thousand dollar trading account and you lose 50%, you're down to 500. I mean, you need to make a, so you lost 50%. You're now going to need to make a hundred percent just to get back to even. Um, so the more, you know, if they lost 60 billion, they're going to have to, you know, have a really good performance over the next 10, 15 years or have really outlier years to get that back. So, um, yeah, just stay humble, guys. I mean, stay on your toes, like don't get too high or too low, but also don't get too cocky when you're up. Um, I'm a I'm a good example, too. Like I remember mid mid July, just about a month ago, I had Apple, one of my best news trades of the year, best of my life, probably or top three. And I made like seven thousand dollars on it. And like, three minutes. I literally, I, I've been trying to work on like, uh, controlling my emotions, but I was like calling all my friends. I was like screaming out the top of my lungs. Like I really do this. But then it's like two weeks later, I got humbled on vacation and lost like 4,000 of that. So just, uh, more of the story guys, really just, uh, stay humble. <laughs> yeah. Just stay humble and <laughs> don't get too cocky or the market's gonna, <laughs> the market's gonna put you in your place real quick. This episode is brought to you by Elite Trader Funding. ETF is a prop trading firm. For those of you who are unaware of what a prop trading firm is, they basically provide you with capital to trade with, and your only risk is the monthly subscription fee. How it works is once you pass an evaluation account, you then become eligible for real money payouts. Now, there are a lot of prop firms out there, but ETF's customer support, the products, and the styles of evaluations they offer are unmatched. I traded and passed a 150K evaluation account, and they were always willing to answer any questions I had along the way. I wish that I had been introduced to them when I first started trading. Thinking back to all the money I lost when I was new to the game, getting the chance to trade a large account while only risking a monthly subscription fee makes too much sense. Not to mention, if you're trying to trade a small-sized account, you can develop some pretty bad habits. Trading a funded account lets you really put your skills to the test, 
by trading more realistic size. Head to the link in the show notes to start your journey as a funded trader today. So how this LTCM story finishes is they ended up getting bailed out by the Fed. Um, and years later, uh, they were able to pay off uh, and exit all of their positions and pay off the $3.6 billion bailout. Um, so yeah, they quite literally went to shit. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you, man. When you get on your high horse and you know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, whenever I'm trading really good, I start to get super protective of my capital. I mean, like whenever I'm doing super well in my trading, I'm like, all right, let's take a step back. Something that I've been doing lately is um, I keep track of uh, the last 20 over the last 20 trading days, um, my median green day and my max loss for uh, any given trading day will be twice the median green day. So it would only take me two days to make back um, you know, that loss. And I have to stick by that. I have to stick by that. The, the reason being when things are going really, really well, like I want a reason to size up. So if I'm making more money and my median green day has increased, that's a perfect reason for me to size up. I'm not sizing up because, you know, I feel like it. And, you know, I think I'm a beast this week. I'm sizing up because, uh, the math is making sense, but also I don't want all of my success that I've had, you know, over the past 20 trading days, which is, you know, of course, about a month of trading to get wiped out because of one day. And so finding ways to incrementally increase your size, always keeping at the forefront that risk and how much you could potentially lose is something that is very important. And again, is always my main focus, especially when things are going well. That's when you tend to forget about it. Um, as you mentioned, you get on your high horse, you think you're a beast, you're screaming, I really do this, but you really don't. <laughs> yeah, you really don't until the market's like, oh, okay, you, you got this one, but we'll we'll take the next three from you and it will balance out. But yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think that's really good that you have those rules. And, you know, things for like, if you do want to size up, I mean, yeah, you can. Obviously, the market's hot or whatever, and there's good opportunities. But I recommend, I, I personally don't like the size up unless I have like a big cushion of profits I can play with. Like if I'm up well past my goal for the month and it's only two weeks in, okay, I'll, I'll up the risk a little bit because if I lose, I've already um, been moving towards my goal very quickly at an efficient pace. Um, but don't just size up guys just because you do have that capital available. Um, it needs to make sense. It needs to fit your risk to reward and your criteria um, before actually doing, um, you know, taking a trade of that bigger size. So you talked about uh, like your max loss during, you know, any given day. You just gave us some insight as to when you feel is a good time to size up. What are some other things that you do to manage risk? First, you can answer that in a general sense, but then I want you to talk more about option selling because while option selling can be very lucrative. It's also one of the more risky uh, ways to trade. So how do you manage your risk? Again, first, just on a more general basis, and then more specifically, when it comes to selling options? Yeah, well, to answer your first question, uh, the way I manage risk is I try to 
caught my loss where the trade is invalidated for me, where my thesis is wrong, um, ideally. So like for swing trades, I'll go to the daily chart. I'll find my level. Um, I'll see if there's a, either like a catalyst for it from going long. Is there flow or there other things to add confluence to give me confidence on this trade? And when I enter a set trade, I always try to get as close to the invalidation level as possible, meaning I'm risking the less or the least, but I also have the, the greatest reward potential. Um, you know, typically, you know, you want to trade and risk to reward multiples, you know, aim to make two to three and risk one. Um, so that's, that's usually what I try to do. Um, in terms of option selling, I think that is kind of, yeah, people do say it's risky. Um, but I think that's only if you're not as fully educated about it. Uh, one thing I learned about option selling is there's a lot of good things if you know how to do it. I mean, the first thing is that, um, I believe there's like some statistic that like 80% of the time option sellers win. Um, and then another thing is that my dad told me he, he dealt with guys who sold options all the time. He was options broker. He said 11 out of the 12 months option sellers made money and they made a lot of it. The one month though, where things gone bad, uh, they did go really bad. So like if you sold, um, puts on Netflix that were $60 out of the money, you're like, Oh, this is free money, free premium. You have to put up, uh, you know, whatever it was a share, like 250 a share times a hundred. So you got to put up 25 K of collateral, um, to maybe make like a hundred dollars a premium. Well, that, that day when Netflix dropped a hundred dollars, um, and the stock was one fifty, but you're selling the shares at two fifty, uh, you're going to lose $10,000 per, um, option contract sold. Now that's just straight naked option selling. That's, that's not, um, that's not really what I do. Uh, that's just a, that's that's the fear I think that people get uh, associated with if you get assigned. Um, so for the basics of option selling, I do recommend that if you do have like long term stocks that you're holding, this is the most basic, but it's selling cover calls. You know, um, like for me, I have like Rivian, SoFi, uh, a couple other names in my portfolio, um, but I'll just sell, you know, five, 10 lots of those cover calls per week, you know, make an extra hundred, two hundred dollars a week. Um, and, and, you know, it is pretty nice. I mean, it does compound. It's nothing sexy or anything, but the main option selling strategy that I do is called credit spreads. So credit spreads are where you're going to pick two strikes. So there's a put credit spread, which is bullish. If you're selling puts, you're bullish. There's a call credit spread. If you're selling calls, you're bearish. Um, so you want to, you know, you pick out your strikes. Um, and to get, um, so like I'm, if I'm selling a put spread, um, my, my risk is the width of the strike. So let's just say I did a $65, um, call and like a $60 call. My risk is going to be $5 in options terms, which would be $500. Now it's also a credit. So you're going to get a credit for selling that option. So that credit might be 1.3. 2.5, whatever it is, um, which is $250. So really it's $500 minus the or, uh, the premium received. Um, I, it's very, uh, there, there's a whole lot more that goes into this, but basically guys, um, for me, when the options IV is high, I want to be selling options when it's low. That's when you, you, you know, you can take advantage of a big move, but, um, I've been really doing this option selling stuff on like swings and stuff. It's, it's been really, stress-free. Like I actually, I'm going to get a recap tonight, but I entered a zoom put spread yesterday 
They came off a good ER. It was coming back to key support. And the stock was down like 6%, but they had good earnings. Um, and I also saw $500,000 was getting sold. Like people were selling that much in premium at the bid at, for $60 puts, which uh, they were three weeks out. So September 15th. Um, so I was like, okay, good ER coming back to support. I'm going to enter a spread myself. Now I entered that a spread yesterday, the 6460 spread. Zoom was up 5% today. It rallied two bucks from when I entered yesterday and I sold it all. And the, I was up 60%. Like today, I, I net a 60% return on this set trade. The stock moved like $4 in my direction. Theta is working for me. Um, I have time on my side, the thesis, and it ended up playing out. So uh, what's really nice about spreads is once you enter the trade, you don't have to micromanage it. You can just enter and just leave it. You don't have to scale it. Like I didn't have to scale it, but I was like 60% after one day, I'm going to take that. Um, so what's nice about options, selling, data works for you. You don't have to micromanage it. Uh, your risk is capped. Um, and I would highly recommend, you know, watching YouTube videos, continue to do your due diligence um, before just diving straight in. But it is a pretty cool strategy. I've done it a lot more recently. And I can say I'm pretty happy I've been doing it because it's been a nice way to switch it up. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are there any specific resources that you've been using as you've been learning this stuff that you would recommend to people? Yeah. Um, so obviously I'm a big visual learner guy. So YouTube is big for me. If you have a mentor, thankfully my dad, he worked on Wall Street. I've probably mentioned that a hundred times at this point. But uh, if you have like a good friend who's older than you or, you know, has been trading longer than you, you know, ask your mentors, you know, other Twitter uh, traders. Um, I always am down to connect with other traders to learn from them because they know something that I may not know and I may know something that they don't know. That's what's powerful about the internet and Twitter is if you can use it the right way to you know, make a positive impact, but also associate yourself with other knowledgeable people, that's the right way to use a Twitter as your resource. So um, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, again, you can you can just type credit spreads on, on like the internet or debit spreads, all, all types of options selling iron condors. There's tons cover calls. Um, or, uh, I do have another friend on Twitter. His name is, believe it or not, I was actually on his podcast like two months ago. His name's like market moves, Matt. He think he has a hundred thousand on YouTube, really nice guy. And he, in the beginning, when I learned, uh, just the basics of options three years ago, I watched his videos and he does options, selling, trading, um, swings. So, um, yeah, learn learn from YouTube and just you know other resources out there. Awesome, bro. Valuable stuff there. The last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up, I want you to talk about your daily routine a little bit. Have things changed for you? Are you still uh, you know have you been carrying the same daily routine for a while since the last time we did uh, an episode? Just kind of take us through what. Uh, I guess a day in the life of Rocky B is like, what has helped you to find that consistency? Yeah. Um, so the day in my life, you know, I wake up probably like seven 30, the market's open at nine 30. Um, you know, in the morning I'll either just go for a little walk, which is like 15 to 20 minutes and, you know, just kind of get my mind right. Um, you know, spend some time outside cause I am going to be locked on, you know, on the screens for a few hours at least come back, uh, eat some breakfast and, you know, shower and all that and do prep for like 30 to 45 minutes. Nothing crazy. I try to narrow it down to three setups. Uh, once you start doing too many, your, your judgment's going to get clouded. You're, you're going to overthink and, and, you know, psych yourself out. So, um, 
I prep for about 30 or 45 minutes. Um, you know, market opens at 930. The the best times to take trades, I feel like, are always in the first two hours. Um, and then I feel like it kind of fizzles out, especially this summer, the rest of the day. So uh, if I am going to enter a swing that day, it's probably within those first two hours. Um, if I don't enter a swing that day, let's just say I'm going to hold a trade, then I'm just going to hold my trade and continue to let that swing trade work until um, I'm stopped out when my thesis is wrong or um, you know the market's telling me I need to take risk off and things like that. And then, yeah, uh, I go to the gym at like 3.30 to 4 every day. I'm just working out and then I run and then I've just been conscious of what I eat. And at night I uh, shower, eat dinner, get back. And maybe at night I'll do like a recap or two and put it on Twitter. Or if not, just like watching a show or playing a game or reading or just, uh, you know, taking it easy to reset. So that's basically a day in the life. Hey bro, I love it. Uh, if you guys notice, he's not sitting at the screen all day long. There's not like uh, 12 hours of trading. You talked about that a little bit earlier, but that balance is, uh, you know, something I'm sure has helped you a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something I could still work on is being balanced because um, to be good at this, I mean, you, you are going to have to put in the time, but it is good guys to switch it up. And, you know, you do not have to stay at the desk all day. Um, just staying at the desk all day isn't going to guarantee you a, a good trade or, or, you know, a bagger or whatever. Um, if you're set up there and you do make money, great. Take your money and, and live to fight another day. If it's not there, you don't need to force it. It's okay to um, just observe, you know, not every single reaction requires, you know, you to, you know, react to it. So, um, but yeah, you know, that's, that's basically a day in the life. I love it, man. Well, thank you, Rocky, for joining us again. It's always a pleasure, um, and I'm glad that we got the chance to catch up, and it's good to hear that you're crushing it, bro. Really good stuff. Of course, Alejandro. I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to catch up and uh, catch you guys later. Thank you again for having me on. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to TCP. We will catch you next week on episode 86. Have a good one, everybody. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.